Welcome to the Cisco ANZ podcast, exploring the promise of 5G, which is the second in a series brought to you by Cisco Systems, exploring the 5G ecosystem, business models, and service provider technology stack. I'm your host, Daniel Hutchins, Principal Architect with Cisco Australia. As a reminder, this podcast series is split into three episodes where we aim to explore the three pillars we see for 5G success, monetization, optimization, and industry partnerships. Last time, we talked about 5G monetization. But in this episode, we want to talk about optimization. We'll talk about the technology transition required by service providers to enable 5G and how that can be optimized to ensure maximum return on investment made by service providers. Before we go to our guests, some of my background in mobile networks. I did a bunch of work around Asia Pacific when I was in the services organization on 2G and 3G technologies, including PDSN, GGSN, and SS7 gateways. I can remember when we started seeing huge ramps in data through Cisco equipment in carrier networks back then. Probably there was 100 megabits a second for the whole of Australia at the time, but it seemed like a vast amount. We've come a long way since then, and now we see that amount of traffic, or more than that amount of traffic, from a single handset. Today, I'm joined by two guests. Firstly, Chris Sigros, who runs the Cisco Australia New Zealand Service Rider System Engineering Team. How are you, Chris? Hi, Dan. I'm really well. It's great to be here with you virtually. Yeah, great. Thanks, Chris. Secondly, we have Anais Dodd-Noble joining us from the USA and who works in our Global Mobility CTO team. Anais, good talking to you again. How are you? I'm doing great, Dan. Great to see you and good to be with you guys. I'm glad I could join you from all over here in the US. Thanks so much, Anais. So this episode is about helping SPs bottom line through cost and operating efficiencies. We can talk about monetization, but the network needs to be built and operated in a cost-effective manner for this to make any sense. Now, this will of course be known to the audience, but to recap, what is the cost issue we're looking to help solve for the service rider, Chris? So Dan, that's a, it's a really good question. I guess cost is, is fundamental to every operator. Um, and if we look back, you know, 2G was really about mobility of voice. 3G was about web browsing. 4G brought video. And 5G is going to be about experiences, AR, VR, for example. All of these generational jumps have increased data growth. And things like ultra-reliable, low-latency communication is going to drive a change in the criticality of that traffic going forward in 5G. If we spent a dollar of CapEx uh, now, it needs to do 11 times the amount of work as it did in 2012. So it's a huge change in, in terms of cost and the outcome of what you need to do for service providers. Yeah, so I guess we can say, yeah, the amount of traffic people are requiring and the criticality of the traffic is driving that cost. So when I've been working on 5G networks, um, especially with yourself, Anais, there's a whole load of new technology in, in that stack. Are we really at the stage yet where we can be optimizing? There will be a disruption. So what we are seeing is that really the 5G core is your destination core, and that will actually consolidate all of your network accesses. And it will also allow you to provide those new experiences by exposing a large number of capabilities of, of your network to both enterprises, application providers, MVNO partners, and so forth. So it's a large amount of features that are available in one small package, really. Yeah, okay. I guess, um, you know, and if we don't start off the right way with starting to think about optimization, we could be building the wrong kind of network and unable to you know, bring that back over time as well. Indeed. Um, so Chris, Anais mentioned the, the mobile core net of the network. 
Um, what are the areas of the network that service providers can be looking at to help their 5G build out and, and bring those costs under control? Yeah, I think there's there's probably three key focus areas. Um, the 5G subscriber experience, um, simplified and converged transport networks, and new radio access technology. Now, all of those three need to be supported with an automation first mentality and security must be built in from the ground up. Okay, so there's a fair bit involved in that subscriber experience. Um, so I think we might just dive down a little bit deeper there um, and we'll start by having a look at the packet core. And I know we've done some work around that together, Anais. Let's have more of a talk about the packet core. Why do you think that ultimately the 5G core will be cheaper to operate and innovate upon? Ultimately, as Chris mentioned, automation using the cloud will be key components. The other really important thing to think about is, yes, the 5G core is very different, but it's different for a couple of very, very good reasons. And one of them is this idea of slicing, creating an SLA, creating essentially a private network, but you do that without actually creating this huge deployment that is very, very expensive to deploy. It's essentially just a redeployment of what you have now using the same automation tools. And that way of doing things is it's far more efficient. It's far more optimized than the old way of doing things. You might just say, uh, Anais, the old way would have been to deploy lots more boxes, right? Physical devices. Indeed, yes. I mean, if you think about the enterprise approach in the old days where they want their enterprise APN, that's a dedicated box with all the dedicated transport and a whole wealth of teams surrounding it. Right. But as you, know, you deploy in the cloud, you take advantage of that. And that means your operations team, the CI/CD approach, yes, it's not your comfort zone today, but we're using web tools which allow just a handful of people to actually run hundreds of thousands of servers. Okay, so I think we're saying that in the use of cloud technology ultimately make this, this cheaper and simpler. Um, you also mentioned a piece of terminology, uh, CICD, which is obviously uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment. Did you want to just touch upon that a little bit further? Indeed, yes. So thank you for kind of highlighting that there are a lot of new uh, technologies that both ourselves in the vendor world, in this operator world, and in our customers will need to embrace. And continuous innovation and continuous deployment basically means that the software that we will be writing, that operators will be consuming, can be delivered in a far more regular cadence. You can have new features, new bug fixes, new security patches delivered much more rapidly and be far more reactive to customer demand. Okay, that's a big, big change on where we've been with uh, traditional, you know, device-driven networks. So, what are the challenges to deploying a five G core, and how can an operator overcome them? Well, one of the aspects to really think about is I spoke about web technologies. You need to hire a whole bunch of young people who understand this, or train your existing workforce to understand it. And it takes time to learn these things. So, start now. Okay, thanks. Yeah, it's a good point, Anais. Um, the other piece is probably. You know, service providers are probably going to need to go through a transformation, right? They they do need to think about moving away from the old box building and, and thinking about how uh, they can build a target operating model that's built with the fundamentals of automation. Mm. Yeah. So what we're really saying, I think, there is the monetization aspect we talked about in the previous episode. You know, there will be this transition of skill set required for the five G era. And we mentioned slicing earlier. What does it really get me? And how does this work in line with the other systems we've already talked about? So, Dan, let, let me give you an, an example, and this is potentially a real-world example of outdoor broadcasts you know, typically used to use satellites with big trucks driving around. But as we move to democratize journalism, 
people run around with their, their phones, their smartphones. And But if you are like a professional broadcaster, you actually want to make sure that your uplink is solid. You may be covering an event. So therefore, you could order a slice in a certain location to be generated. And a slice really is a promise from the service provider that you will get what you'll pay for. And you create it ad hoc when needed. Obviously, there is a revenue transaction between that customer and the operator, but they get a great service, which is way cheaper than satellite broadcast so forth. So that's one example of you know, why we need to have these things to be very dynamic. Right, and that's a good example of where a carrier might help uh, an end customer cost optimize for their services. Okay, so this, we, that's really the, the mobile core. I think we've sort of talked around that and how that will cloudify and be easier to operate and require a different skill set. Let's have a bit of a thing about the radio access network because there's a huge amount of cost for the service rider in building and maintaining the radio access network. I think sort of possibly 70% of any project would go into the radio access network. Um, so one of the big things going on in the, in the RAN space is the Open RAN initiative. Um, Chris, do you have any thinking about why uh, people, operators are looking at Open RAN and uh, what the benefits might be? Yeah, as you said, I guess the the radio access network is probably you know somewhere between sixty and seventy percent of all capex that uh, SPs would actually spend. So it's a huge area, um, and at the moment you're kind of sort of bought into a single vendor all in approach um, that provides you the radios, the software, and building that environment for them. What OpenRAN does is obviously gives people the ability to look at you know, putting best of breed components um, into that disaggregated uh, radio access space. And by doing this, you know, there could be specific radios for a specific use case that could be cheaper for an operator to deploy um, and, and be able to deploy things that way. The other piece that we need to think about that's probably an advantage is you can start looking at disaggregated components and swapping uh, different uh, vendors in and out from that perspective. If an SP at today tries to swap out a RAN provider, it's a huge mammoth task. You've got to go through and swap everything out. Uh, and and that whole way of working, the tools associated with operating that environment, need to swap as well. So with the open RAN technologies, you could look at the way that you deploy could be built, the way that you operate it could be uh, optimized, and then you can look at swapping those bits and pieces to give you the best outcome. Yeah, great, Chris. I think one of the things I've seen, at least Cisco's involvement in uh, the Open RAN Alliance, has been contributing to the standards work, contributing data models, and this is all about trying to open up that ecosystem. And while we have a you know a more open ecosystem, what we've seen is commoditization happens, and therefore you know drives down costs and would help would help the carriers deploy and operate in a I guess a more efficient fashion. So that's, that's really great. Right, and you mentioned the you know the back end system. So yeah, with traditional systems, we'd see you know separate policy servers, separate charging servers. You know, that would be you know very beneficial on the cost side of things. They are indeed. They're all quite different technologies, but certainly our approach is to actually implement a lot of those capabilities. For example, the user plane function, as it becomes you know, gigabit speed capable, we want to actually implement that in the same way for both our BNG product as well as our Wi-Fi. Uh, and also our 5G product, because we will ultimately need to leverage the cloud and the optimizations that we get through our innovation. So we have you know, an optimized user plane stack that we open source just you know, a few years ago, and that's very powerful at creating a very cost-efficient 
optimized user plane that brings the cost down, the total cost of ownership of the network down, both on the 5G side and, of course, on the wireline side. Okay. Um, one of the specific access technologies um, that you know many people are talking about is, is Wi-Fi 6. So how do Wi-Fi 6 and 5G compare and how does that fit into the overall equation? Well, Wi-Fi is, of course, very ubiquitous and there are millions of devices out there that, you know, from computers to printers to your home security system that use them. Uh, but Wi-Fi 6 really has taken on board the challenges that come with Wi-Fi today uh, not only is it faster, but it has a degree of QoS that allow you to do far more uh, predictive and low latency applications. But 5G actually brings things that augment and build on top of Wi-Fi. So you really kind of want to use both at the same time if you can. Um, so we've seen that, for example, with 5G, the mobility uh, with great areas is possible, uh, but then the Wi-Fi can provide hotspot access. So... Yes, you have your license spectrum for where you really need service-critical applications, but then Wi-Fi 6 for the broad, um, anything could connect to it with a degree of QoS as well, and you bring the two together. Why do we think we still need both? We, we need both because not every device will have a cellular modem, and they don't need the cellular modem because their mobility portfolio is that really they're going to be stuck somewhere and not need to move. Um, now, does my laptop, would I have 5G in my home as a connectivity? That option may exist, but that's not the network topology I want to deploy. And Wi-Fi is far more, democratizes access, and therefore you'd want to have that network. But then if I'm an enterprise, if I'm a factory, I want to also have the quality that comes with 5G. So yes, they both serve the same sort of access, but with slightly different uh, capabilities. And that's really important going forward. Okay, thanks, Anais. So we've looked at the uh, the core and the radio access networks. We might have a bit of a think about the IP and optical networks that underpin the mobile network, basically to carry the traffic back from, from the radio towers uh, through the SP's network and out ultimately to the internet. Uh, so Chris, um, how can um, operators simplify and optimize that, that network? Yeah, so I guess um, Cisco's been spending a lot of time thinking about transport. It's, it's tradition. And we've been looking at a simplifying, converging that transportation network, whether that's through you know consolidation of the IP layer and the optical underlay layers, uh, bringing those together, and looking at how do we deploy software-defined networking over the top so that you can start stitching components together using segment routing and things like that. So I think the security component of the DevSecOps methodology is really important. Thinking about the role of 5G in enterprise, what we also understood is that enterprises may look to leverage 5G where they need more security than things like Wi-Fi can um, handle. So will 5G be secure? And how can Cisco help? Any thoughts on that at all, Anais? Thanks, Dan. Uh, yes. So regarding security and 5G and what it means, as we go from cloud and virtual functions, the perception may be that things become less secure. Um, I know that many enterprises are a little bit nervous by putting the applications in the cloud because they're not quite sure who has access to them. But, but in, in the 5G core, we look at this as an opportunity to do what we should have done right from the beginning, which is assume a zero trust right from the start. And we want to make sure that as network functions get instantiated and connected, we assume that they are untrusted and don't need to be on the network but until they get authenticated. 
We've been doing this, uh, Cisco's been doing this in the enterprise for years, and it's fairly simple to do, to take that technology and put it into the service provider network. Um, but this is a big change in culture, big change in operational procedures. Uh, we need to bring in a certificates, have a certificate authority, and all those connections need to be authenticated and encrypted. So all the nodes that go in there are actually authenticated, and you know who, exactly who's talking to whom. So this is where we've taken the enterprise technology and ported a lot of those capabilities over into the 5G space. And the, some of the things we've done to allow you know, anyone to actually access, so we'll actually use Active Directory through the Cisco ICE platform to authenticate them and then be removed or change their access rights as their roles change. Chris, did you have any thoughts around other ways that Cisco could help at all? I think there needs to be a, a holistic approach to security. And I think that's, as Anais was talking about, the, the good thing about 5G is from what we can do from a Cisco perspective, it, it comes down to enabling visibility. You need to know what's going on inside the network and being able to then use that visibility to make some decisions based on. So, you know, Cisco has a number of tools that are available now to to increase that visibility, whether that's things like AppD, titration, and using those as leading indicators into, you know, potentially something that could be nefarious within the network. And then looking at those applications themselves, the VNFs that are in the network, how do we ensure that we're looking at all the different threat vectors and, and stopping things from jumping from a VM to a VM or a microservice to a microservice. And obviously that needs to be all encompassed from the hardware perspective and looking at how the hardwares, the firmwares and the software on the Telco cloud stack is performed. So there's a number of areas. It's, it's, it's not simple, but we definitely do have a lot of skill and systems to operators in that defense and I will say I've seen some really great work happening from our services organization looking at an end-to-end -end 5G security architecture and helping customers implement that. So just to close out this discussion, we are hearing that enterprise is the first use case for 5G monetization. What's Cisco's thoughts on this and how we can make it easier and more efficient for the service provider to offer those services? Any thoughts there, Chris? We talked a lot today about um, automation. We talked a lot about service exposure. And obviously, the way that enterprises are going to consume is going to be through that service exposure component. By, by enabling APIs and, and letting enterprises access and define what their network looks like, um, that's going to change over time. And how much service providers are, are willing to enable enterprises to control the end-to-end the -end piece will change over time. But I think, obviously, with our technologies, we're bringing tools to enable those services to be created, uh, tools to enable the enterprise to have a bit more control, and obviously tools that enable the service provider to ensure that that service is, is delivered in a secure and with an SLA. Okay, thanks, Chris. Yeah, and just to, to cap on that, you may think you know, 5G is great and the consumer would be the first use case, but in many respects, um, because of the way that Spectrum has been made available for enterprises, uh, the community to use themselves, so in the US we have CBRS, but throughout Asia, a lot more Spectrum has been made available. And it happens to be Spectrum that is uh, very useful and applicable to 5G speeds. So this now is a window to say, hang on, maybe the first case is not the consumer adding more bandwidth, but it's actually the enterprise taking advantage of the license spectrum, the 
the private spectrum you get with the licensed spectrum. Therefore, will they, be, they become the first use case. And what we're seeing is that the way that service providers can you know, take their network, compartmentalize it for a certain business, a certain enterprise, but still run it using their normal tools, but at scale, far more efficiently, means they can go after this new market. And these really become great opportunities for, for revenue that um, didn't really exist before because going after the enterprise market for a service provider is challenging. Nonetheless, Cisco does, does this all the time. We've been working with our enterprise uh, partners for many, many years, and we know what they need in terms of features and functionality. So bringing the enterprise features and the 5G features together is our DN in our DNA. Yeah, thanks for the insights on enterprise, Chris and Anais. It's actually a really good uh, topic to finish on today, as this will be the key discussion in our next podcast, which is going to focus on industry verticals. We'll be looking at what those verticals want and how we're seeing SPs engage in these areas. So I'd just like to say uh, thanks, Anais, for coming today. Thanks, Dan, for having me. Great discussion. And Chris, thanks again. Thank you very much. It was great to be on. So if you are listening, please feel free to reach out to any of us via LinkedIn. If you'd like further discussion on anything we've talked about, you can also find me on Strava, though not so much right now due to an injury. If you are interested in reading any more information on the subjects talked about today, Cisco has a, a blog site for service provider, which is at the site blogs.cisco.com SP. Thanks for listening today, and hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you.